listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, Sarah Ashley, Sean Moriarty, and Roxy Noberry. So, like, what kind of movies and shit have people been watching and whatnot? I don't think I've actually been watching much in the way of movies right now, at least not since... Not since the Oscars. I mostly yeah. just, I've been marathoning Parks and Rec and X Files. Mm. I got sick and I watched Flight for the first time. It's depressing as fuck, isn't it? Which oh one's my, Flight? That's the Denzel Washington movie. Oh, yeah. I did watch that one. I didn't realize a movie about a pilot landing the plane was literally just going to be an entire thing about coming to terms with his addiction. I was just yeah. like, wow. Great. Yeah. Really good. But <laughs> I was just like, what is happening in this movie? I don't movie? think I actually thought the movie was I know. Was I watched good. it once, and that's, I think, all I'll have to watch for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it's an intense movie, and kind of uncharacteristic of Robert Zemeckis, too. I mean, he does, he has these grand sweeping shots that open the movie, which is very Robert Zemeckis, but then the story is really just more of this character piece, and it's... Well, I mean... It's definitely unusual. The director doesn't have to be, like, tied to a certain thing. No, it's good when they branch out. The uh, the plane crash sequence is pretty pretty dope. Yeah. yeah. So uh, th- this might be out of theaters by the time this airs, but I saw Kingsman in the theaters, <gasps> which was awesome. <clears throat> I thought. Yeah. And you liked it? Yeah, yeah. I I did a little bit of like background and checked uh, the website um, for Kingsman: The Secret. Ser- well, it's actually the comic was just called The Secret Service. And it's cool that they they did a pretty good job of translating the visual uh, style to film. It's it's like um, it's a lot like old Bond movies. It kind of pays homage to old Bond movies while being like hyper violent and very stylistic. Nice, but not bloody, gory, violent. Like it's kind of bloody, but it's they've really toned down. There's no bl- like excessive blood and guts. Right. I see. It sounds well. That's kind of Matthew Vaughn's style, right? Because he directed the movie. Mm-hmm. His, he he does these he tries to make it as tongue in cheek as possible, but yet he makes a lot of his scenes just thinking about kick ass. There's moments in kick ass that are incredibly dark and violent, but oftentimes yeah. it's what are you mostly talking about? That's light. like a walk through the park <laughs> with the child. Yeah. You know what I do find that is really funny with Matthew Vaughn is is the, the huge parallel between this and X Men First Class is that there's like a team of young people. And they're training them for something. And I'm sitting there, yeah. I was like, oh, Matthew Vaughn does training like people that are between the ages of 16 and 20 for <laughs> combat really well. But does he? Do, but is there a scene where like they're naming each other? Be like, I'm Mystique and you're Magneto. Well, as if to- <laughs> kind of. Okay, so the way that the Kingsmen work is that they're it's they're all kind of named after Arthur and the, and the Knights of the Round Table. Oh. So Michael Caine, his code name is Arthur. And uh, um, Colin Firth is Galahad. So they kind of do all have. And then the team that's training, it's a bunch of younger people that are training to take over one spot. Only one of them is going to be chosen to become mm-hmm. Lancelot's, take Lancelot's spot. That's a cool concept. I really like that. Yeah. And they transcend like governments. It's basically a, uh, the, it was a group of tailors way back in the day that decided that there needed to be something above all governments and train themselves to be super spies and they're like the end all be all of spies in the world. That that's a great cover, right? Because like when you're in fights and your suit gets cut, you don't want to have to go and have to explain that. Like, boom, I'll just make my suit all better now. Oh yeah. And yeah. their their suits are very gorgeous, tailored very well, and are bulletproof. All right. So here's my burning question for you, Sean. How sexy was Colin Firth? Colin Firth was awesome. I'm not a huge Colin Firth fan at all, but he was a badass in this movie. He 
He kills a lot of people. And he looks good doing it. I mean, he looked really pretty. Uh, nice. He almost turned me. Yeah. That's a reason for me to go see yeah, it. Daddy so like. Oh, so hot right now. Colin Firth makes me feel like I'm in a sauna <laughs> with other large men. You're just I'm stewing, waiting for touching him. Touching and stewing and rubbing, and then we go to the cold plunge. <laughs> and, then back, and then we come back, and then we we knead our dough until it gets bigger. If the cold, small in the cold I'm sorry. Plunge. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. If the cold plunge, if the cold plunge isn't already an awful sex move, it needs to be. <laughs> the cold plunge. <laughs> <laughs> like. Like you just have you have to like go stick your dick in the fridge for a little bit <laughs> before you throw it no, in. No, no, no. It's probably like a bucket of ice and then like just throw it right into the to or just the you know rub it in a cold pack. You know, just maybe I'm oh. a, I'm just you know I guess a cold pack. No, you work. never do that. It gets smaller with the colder it gets. <laughs> Why would anybody true. ever do that? I don't know, but what 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 else would the cold plunge be? Oh, oh, cold plunge. Make the balls really blue, right? You know, blue, cold, and then no. you plunge it in. Nah. I mean, I guess you could lube up with Icy Hot, but that's not going to be very cold for very long. You're not getting the balls in anywhere. If it's really cold, they they jump up inside your body, and then it looks like you have half I, of a wall. You know what? On Dave's you know, face, that was priceless. For our Why listeners. Why you do that to yourself? That sounds like a painful experiment. Listeners, please. <laughs> Go ahead and you tell us what a cold plunge is. How about oh, that? <laughs> well, you guys know what a real cold plunge is, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's when oh, okay. I yes, I know what that is. I want to know what the sex move cold plunge is. Apparently That's it- when you jump, you have to jump from above four feet and land balls deep in a dead person. No! <laughs> Preferably a cadaver from the morgue that's been chilled. One of their fancy little compartments. Oh, Which I think if God. you know somebody on the take. They can uh, they can supply you with that. I, I know it, for most people it goes without saying, but can we just make it clear that we are not pro necrophilia on this podcast? Well, I mean, don't knock it till you try. We are not. Don't yuck someone else's yum, Brian. And speaking of dead people, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of dead people, Sweeney Todd kills a lot of people. You know what? <laughs> Hell of a segue, Sean. Hell of a segue. I want to bring back. Because that's our segue! Yeah! Oh, I missed that. Oh, on that note, welcome to Nerds on Film. I'm Sarah Ashley. I'm Brian Moriarty. I'm Sean Moriarty. And with us today is Papa D. I thought you retired, Papa D. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yay! Hi, everyone. It's Dave McGuire. Hello, Nerds on Film co-founder. Welcome back to the studio, sir. I should get that embroidered somewhere. Yeah. We should, yeah. Oh, we, we should have jackets. This city. We built this city on American <laughs> Thrones. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> Well done. Well done, Dave. <laughs> I love that song. Uh, oh, fucking Starship. Uh, Roxy is not here tonight, unfortunately. I ate her. Um, this was uh, <laughs> scheduling got a little tough, and unfortunately, Roxy has conflicts with school, so she can't record with us on a weeknight, and we were forced to record on a weeknight. But we miss her terribly, Roxy. If you're listening, I miss you. There's so much dude in here. Uh, just to be sure, the the word that you said was dude and not duty. Yes. We have not pooped or defecated in the cave. Let's just make that very duty. clear. Did you guys actually duty. hear the word duty? Duty? Yeah. Did you hear that word? Duty. I'm just making sure the people who were listening 
Okay. All right. Jesus <laughs> H. Fucking Christ. Let's talk about Sweeney Todd. Okay. Shall we? <laughs> well, so first of all, I just want to say thank you, Sean, because I know that we're a bit iffy on the subject of musicals, and I'm glad that we get to like dive into one for the uh, first time. <clears throat> hey, uh, sorry to be the party pooper here, but what's Sweeney Todd? Yeah, it's this movie based on this play that was based on this Penny Dreadful. Well, that's general. Yeah, um, I mean, let's, that's... Uh, let's yep. dive in, shall that's we? That's it. <laughs> nailed, nailed that one. Uh, yeah, All so... All right, so now that Dave's up to speed. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was based on a, a on a Penny Dreadful. Um, or a Penny Awful or a Penny Bloody. They had a bunch of different names for yeah. them. They were like pulp comics from the Victorian era. Uh, yeah. that was a shit Not comics show. though. They were just written. It was sorry. They're like they were like pulp. They were the equivalent of pulp comics, but they were actually like little novellas. Yeah, they were tiny little tiny little books. Um, occasionally had illustrations and whatnot in them. Like, like not like tiny, super, super no, like thin, like Wait. thin books. Like yes, they were they were incy wincy. I want to make sure that Sean sees the, the motion that okay. I create. Just itty bitty books. Audio podcast, like, Dave. Eh. Audio podcast. Tiny little books. <laughs> so I think it's worth it's one letter per page. It's very inconvenient, but such was the time. <laughs> <laughs> what? That was just so good. <laughs> but such was the time. <laughs> oh, wow. Fantastic. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, no, in the Victorian era, um, yeah, these were just cheap little books that you could buy, read fairly quickly, pass on to your friends, whatever, no big deal. Um, but it's at a time when, you know, Jack the Ripper was still fresh on everybody's mind, and we we're you know having stories yeah. of Dracula and Frankenstein and all this other stuff. So kind of the the romantic horror genre was really a big deal, and um, and so this was a really popular yeah really popular subject and really po- yeah. popular concept. And then Sondheim in the seventies turned it into an awesome fucking musical. Yeah, well, just to provide a little bit seventy nine. Yeah, just to provide a little bit of context, the. Uh, the Jack the Ripper murders took place in the late eighteenth century. I think it was the eighteen was the eighteen eighties. I I can't remember. For yeah, sure. and you then the, I was on a podcast the, the yeah the Victorian well, they, Penny looking, Dreadful that came out with that was about Sweeney Todd was called the String of Pearls, and that was like eighteen forty six or forty seven. Yeah. I can't remember. Right, and uh, but it was such a popular story though that it became an urban legend around London. So I mean, you know, you can almost you could almost argue that Sweeney Todd predates and. Not not to say planted the seed because that would, there's no way to prove that. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, it kind of gets that imagination going, as it were. Yeah. Um, very big. I just story like it when you right. say planted the seed. Yeah, it's very mm. sexy, very sexual. Yeah. Okay. So try. Do I? Do nope. Say it again. No, it's hot. Okay. All right. I'll just. I'll just. I'm gonna put my seed in you, baby. <laughs> Next oh, lonely island. And let so. it grow. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but yeah, so Sondheim. In but the 1970s. In 1970. 1979 turned it into a musical. This is like Sondheim's like heyday, by the way. Um, oh, yeah. And original cast, Angela freaking Lansbury. Murder, She Wrote? Murder, She Wrote. And George and, Hearn. And, well. yeah. I love Murder, She and Wrote. And Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, yo. And Beauty and the Beast, Mrs. Potts, what, what? Mm-hmm. Tale as old as time, motherfucker. Tale yeah, as old as time. <laughs> I- <laughs> <laughs> the way Sarah said it made it sound as though like like Shaft was like doing Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> uh, tale as old as shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, tale as old as Busta Rhymes. <laughs> 
And uh, this was a not like a huge, huge hit, I think, as far as money's concerned, but it was a very lasting and shocking kind of play. Yeah. Um, it won Angela Lansbury her fourth Tony Award, I believe. Murder, and- She Wrote Sings? Oh, my God. Murder, She Wrote. Let's just all... <laughs> I, let's just all call people, but yeah, every time I see Tom Hanks, I'm like, yo, what up, Philadelphia? <laughs> <laughs> Really? Sometimes, sometimes I want to shift it up and be how like, going, what up, Castaway? Cast how you doing, Castaway? You shave your beard. Really? You guys Nobody don't want... says, yo, Joe versus the volcano. Except... Oh, I would say, <laughs> I would say that. Hello, what? Joe versus the volcano. Really? Because I was going to say bachelor party, but... How many different versions of Meg Ryan did you have to have in that movie? She was like Eddie Murphy. <laughs> like, here's the red-headed Meg Ryan. Here's the blonde Meg Ryan. Here's the Asian Meg Ryan. Here's... Alan, Alan, there was Meg Ryan again because you have so many you forgot. Alan, there was not an Asian Meg Ryan (laughs) in Joe versus the volcano. There was a giant suitcase that could float, you know, but there was no Asian. Yeah, that's think anybody would actually say, "What up, Money Pit?" I could swear, I could swear, all Asians look like luggage. Oh my god, (laughs) that's That's just so random and stupid. Like it doesn't. That's the Doesn't worst make any thing sense, that Alan has ever said. Racist for no reason. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Alan, if you're gonna be racist, you at least make sense. I mean, come on. That's hipsters just... are dicks. Yeah, that's just <laughs> actually. <laughs> of course, hipsters they are dicks. Have and of course, audience. we're racist. We move into we move into really really destitute areas, and then we force people out by driving up the property prices. <laughs> Hipster gentrification. <laughs> God. All right, taking it back to Sweeney Todd, though. <laughs> Um, so Murder, wrote speaking of shitty parts of town, Fleet Street's a shithole. It is a, sh- it is a shithole. Thank um, you. Yeah, Angela Lansbury is a gorgeous singer. Um, yes, she is. Okay, so I, I've only seen the movie once, and I don't remember it. So what? it's about a guy who eats pies. Well, so I think what the Tim Burton movie does poorly is set up the plot, because you've got... Yeah, it's very fast. You've got this computer animated thing about, peop- about people being grinding ground into meat pies, and they use uh, the same intro that the musical has, but the difference is the musical has a full musical number. It's not just an overture like they, they made it for this movie. And I think the the actual lyrics of the opening number do a much better job of setting the scene. It does. Um, the actual, in the play, the way it opens is the chorus is dumping a body bag into a hole, and then they start singing, and as they're singing about Sweeney Todd, he comes out of his own grave as if they're calling him back to life, and it goes into a story and takes place a few months before they dump the body bag. So the way um, that the chorus is actually treated in the play, it's very common, um, like a Greek play, like a Greek chorus, where they're kind of explaining what's going on as the play Mm -hmm. progresses. So there is a full kind of setup, you know, about the demon barber of Fleet Street. Let's Let's tell the tale of Sweeney Todd. Yes, um, Ten the Tale of Sweeney Todd. Yes, yeah. yes, and um, it's a lyric. I'm just saying. I, yeah. Okay. And so you know, you kind of you find out that he is coming back from being he was accused of a false crime and was transported away, and now he's coming back under a different name. Now he's being mm-hmm. called Sweeney Todd. But his original name was Benjamin Barker. And the people in the area still remember Benjamin Barker to a certain extent, even though he's been gone for like 15 years. Right. He had a wife and a daughter. Yeah. He was a respected barber in that little community. And uh, the judge, the judge, Judge Turpin, Judge uh, Turpin basically got greedy. He 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 fancied uh, 
Barker's wife for her, his own lover. And so he used yeah. his political position to get Barker sent away. And I mean, they don't, yeah. they don't say that. And in the movie, though, in the movie, they smash that all together in about 45 seconds. <laughs> well, they, they do it through a musical smash number. Cut. They do it through a musical number in the show. And actually, those two things are fairly similar. Um, and what you basically find out, they don't say it outright, but you basically find out that his wife goes to a party to try to appeal to Judge Turpin to get him released. Mm-hmm. And Judge Turpin basically rapes her. Like, he basically takes advantage of her. And that's that's the last we hear of In of front Barker's of everyone. But, yeah. they don't, but they don't actually say that part in the beginning. He hears that part from Mrs. Lovett. Right. When he is in her pie shop. And that's when, because he, uh, used, his barbershop used to be above the pie shop. And so she knew him back then. And so Lovett tells him what happened to this woman, and he screams out in agony, just like, you know, feeling so horrible about what happened to his, his the love of his life. And then she's like, I knew it was you. And so then that's kind of where the plot actually starts to go forward then. So all of this was just background up to this point. This, was, this is all in the beginning of the movie? This is all, this the is all the beginning minutes. of the movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and Mrs. Lovett, we we meet her because he goes into the pie shop and she sings about how she has the worst pies in London and how her whole shop is basically just running to the ground. Is that a euphemism? Yep, and there's cockroaches running everywhere. That's definitely a euphemism. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so Nobody that, wants my meat pie. Um, and how, how the it woman- It smells in, bad. And how the oh woman um, down the street has better meat pies, but she also is insinuating that she's in cats- um, like stray cats in the This is in not the helping meat. this joke any. Nope. It's, it doesn't need Stray to. pussy in the pie. Stray <laughs> pussy in the pie. There you go. Wait, so, okay, I know Johnny Depp was the barber guy, right? I think yes. I may have fallen Yeah, asleep. yeah, he was. Okay, so he's he's barber. We'll, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Who 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 directed it again? Tim Burton. Tim Burton, of course. You said it was a. You just said Johnny Depp. And it's a movie. Oh wait, then that means Helena Bonham Carter played the the, the pie lady, right? She's the pie lady. There you yep. go. Of course, and she of course has the same hair she has every day in every movie. It's just like and every red carpet. Just, it just looks like a firecracker of hair exploded out to one side, and there <laughs> it is. And I think literally when they brought her into makeup for the movie, they're like, well, "What are we gonna do differently?" He looks at it, takes some flour, dashes out, and I said, "Okay, you're good." Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like okay, let's slightly dark in the dark circles that are already under your eyes. <laughs> Which, again, is a very Burton thing to do. It Burton. is a very Burton thing yeah. to do, and it's, I mean... I remember it looked like Johnny Depp had jaundice. Like... Well, he wasn't just... yellow. He was just white. So here's what I'll say. But with like, say... Here's what it's I find white, yeah. interesting about the movie. First of all, I don't think Burton should do musicals. We've all... I think this movie proves that really pretty well. You're saying well, that Beetlejuice I... 2 shouldn't be a musical? Isn't that obvious? Well, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was. I don't think it was Willy that, Wonka and the Charlie. I, I don't. I first off, that movie was barely enjoyable. But second of all, it wasn't because of the musical numbers. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, that being said, what was also interesting is that Sondheim was involved in the process of casting the movie. So he actually had a say in the naming of the actors. I'm ass- I'm assuming he's going senile. <laughs> or he also had a, a say in the, Burton? the Woods casting. No, Sondheim. Sondheim. No, I'm pretty sure Sondheim was like, yeah, I don't want Johnny Depp. And I'm oh. sure Tim Burton was like, no, you're mistaken. It's Johnny Depp. He, he's, he, he's everywhere I go. <laughs> he is me. Well, and I can't get Christina Ritchie back, so I'm going to get a girl that looks a lot like her and make her the fucking daughter and dye her eyebrows and hair blonde just like Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, right? 
Pretty much. I, I mean, granted, she is super blonde in the play. They they talk about her yellow hair in the musical. Um, but I think the biggest the biggest issue, and let's let's talk about the casting and why this was weird. And I think the biggest thing, first and foremost, is that Johnny Depp can't do musical theater singing. He proved that in Into the nope. Woods. And Into the Woods, at least as the wolf, it kind of fit because the wolf is supposed to be kind of... I had no problem with it in that character because I thought he was kind of supposed to be like a sleazy type guy. It was no big deal, but... In, <laughs> Not much of a stretch. Yeah, in in Sweeney Todd, he's a man who's seen a lot of pain, dealt with a lot of stuff, is seeking his vengeance, and he's like... And if you listen to the original cast, it's like deep and it's a really strong, solid voice. It's a it's a rich baritone, a borderline operatic singing voice. Yeah. And so you put Johnny Depp's voice in there, and like yeah. th- there's there's no comparison. And it's like a rock and roll voice, and you're kind of like, what are you doing, dude? It's like weird and kind of strained. Just side note, because it's not a visual podcast. As Sarah was describing the guttural voice that the original uh, Sweeney Todd brought to the table. Brian's face was like on the verge of O. Like it was just sort of like he closed his eyes and his mouth kind of opened to gape and it was just like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, keep going. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was guttural. What else? Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk stud. about his voice. <laughs> so, Dave gonna... has been trying to turn this into like uh Saturday night after two AM on the radio. <laughs> Slow jams. We go and tone it down for a while on the quiet storm. Um, so, well, so Sweeney Todd. Snuggle up to you, love, I, love. The, the movie's actually, I think, pretty solid story-wise. I thought that the visuals were great. The story was solid. The way that he presented it, at least, the way the directing. But, like everybody's been saying, you can't have this amazing musical have your title character doing a rock and roll voice at best because that's all he can perform. And then the second best, like your your second lead Helena Bottom Carter cannot sing pretty much at all. I could just see them having the longest time in the studio trying to get her to hit all the notes right to get that done because she a lot of them aren't a lot of them aren't even she's out of tune a lot in yeah. that movie. And the, the funny thing is she trained for like a year to do this part too. Oh. She vocally because she had no vocal speak singing training whatsoever. At least Johnny Depp was a musician before he was an actor, and he had his friend who. Um, he he wasn't the music director, but he he had his friend help him quite a bit with the the songs. <clears throat> so um, I mean, he had at least some background going into it. But I agree with you. I think of comparing the two. I think everyone for some reason, every, a lot of people I've talked to who've seen that movie say that she was the better of the two. And I said, really? Like in what so way? I, I, say I think Sasha Baron Cohen was the better of the two. Well, Sasha, Sasha, <laughs> he's not even part. Yeah, exactly. He's Sasha Baron Cohen was good. Because I, I like his singing is shit too. I don't think so. I think he actually pulled it off really well, considering like if you go and you s- compare it to what he did in Les Mis too. Like he's he did he does a really good job of performing it. I think that Helen Bonham Bonham Carter. The reason why people like her a little bit more is because I think she actually performed it well, despite not having the strength to pull off the vocal. I don't think Johnny Depp performed it well. And didn't sing it well, and so just kind of ruined the whole thing, personally. But then Alan Rickman, I thought also, like, again, not a super strong singer, but performed it well. Alan Yeah, the other thing that's tough is that... Yeah, no, I thought Ellen Bonham Carter for sure was a really great actress in it. I thought Johnny Depp was good, too, but if I had to choose between the two, definitely Carter was way better actress in it. 
I yeah. believed her more. Um, I mean, going back to Sasha Baron Cohen for a moment, I mean, was he a gifted singer? Yes. But again, the, the Pirelli character that he was playing is also supposed to have this higher operatic tenor yeah. voice. The trouble with Sweeney Todd is it's a pop opera in that it's got more contemporary sound of music, but it's very operatic in the way it's sung mm-hmm. and played out. And the movie captures none of that essence Well, it's because it. you've got the guy who does things gothic and weird just for the sake of making them gothic and weird behind the camera and like you've got a subject matter which probably lends to being able to do well yeah things. the subject matter is gothic right, and weird. right 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 but, but that's the thing though is like it was too tim burton mm. like the, to me tim burton peaked with big fish which i'm pretty sure came before this yeah. one right mm-hmm. so then then comes then comes this and i'm sure there's probably one in between but to me it's just sort of like this movie is just sort of like we get it like you you have a style that's great like maybe for once like continue the big fish thing like don't take the obvious route with sweeney todd like do something different with it right absolutely no i agree with that what i what i would say is comparison is that i actually i think kevin smith's five-minute parody of God That's Good that's in Jersey Girl is better. <laughs> it does a better job of representing Sweeney Todd than the entirety of Tim Burton's film version of Sweeney Todd. Sarah, Sarah. your opinion? Yeah, I think with Tim Burton doing this, I, I I would actually argue that with the exception of the song where they're at the beach um, and these like and the flashbacks that they did, the ones that look like they were filmed through pantyhose i think sean said um i think after dog pantyhose <laughs> my god <laughs> pantyhose that would just ripped off your lover in the throes of passion anyway because <laughs> this is 1950s porn <laughs> what i guess so i mean why not um Qu- quickly now quickly undo my girder belt <laughs> quickly quickly and that's a quickly. guy saying that <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's got, what, are those, what are those little sock belt things that they used to Oh, have? sock garters? Sock garters, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yep. Yes, undo my sock garters. But use your teeth. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> anyway, um, I think that those flashbacks are probably the most Tim Burton-y of all the things. But, it, but I'm not, you know, I'm not entirely convinced that another director wouldn't still have done it in, like, that same dark filter and all. Like, it, I've... I would I would argue that another director would probably film it in a very yeah. similar style. So let me let me jump in for a second. I think what's hard about this musical, about this this story, is that you've got horror and you're mixing it with musical, which is as it is, because we're so used to the conventions of of musical being comedic in nature, that's hard to mesh with, right? Um I don't think Sondheim saw it that way when he was creating it. I think he saw it as making more of a contemporary opera piece. But as that is, even as that's difficult to do, then translate that into film, which even though musicals have had a comeback, they're not to the level of exposure or interest that they used to be at, right? So you've got two things working against it now, horror musical and now a film version of a horror musical. And then you have you try to get Tim Burton to do it to try and make it appealing. I think it was a studio choice. I think it was 100% a studio choice because they thought that he could at least sell the story. Um, if they had gotten anybody else to do that movie... It wouldn't. It would have been like an independent film. It would have been like an IFC well, kind he, of film. Yeah, if he can make a gothic film like Nightmare Before Christmas, why can't he do Sweeney Todd? Right. Sean. Yeah, and he's definitely had experience working with good composers and stuff. I don't know. Maybe there was some miscommunication with him and the music department for because honestly, I, I've got a lot of problems with the movie. The casting, 
Uh, and I've got and the music the way I honestly didn't don't think that the music sounded right compared to like if I've listened to the 79 and then the revival soundtracks today um, from Broadway and they were both executed way better than the movie. I I like Tim Burton's look of the movie. I love the production design. I think it, it was spot on. And I love the idea of a super violent, fucked up, bloody musical. But I there's only little parts like we we've mentioned already. Like if you change the casting it would have been good and i brian i think that's where we disagree because you don't think that the movie as a whole works i think the movie as a whole has challenges to it and i think what would have helped is if they had done what they're starting to do now with with movies which is to cast actors who have both vocal and acting ability equally you know it's not just actors who can carry a tune slightly yeah it's not like we're short on those we're not short on those fucking people. I don't understand why we don't put them in movies more that are musicals. Right, but it's because they're not big names. That's the that's why. So So here's my question for you guys. If you could if if we say that the that we like Sweeney Todd, mm-hmm. for the most part, we we enjoyed the movie except the casting. Uh, Dave, I know you're not sold. But it what how would we recast it? Uh I would have just going off of who's on Broadway now, who could do the part? For that voice, there's a guy named Brian Darcy James. Um, his biggest stage credit that anyone would recognize is he he played Shrek in the Shrek musical. Mm. Um, but he's got an amazing, rich baritone voice uh, that he can that he can shape it to be operatic. He can shape it to sound warm and poppy like we're used to hearing today. He he would sing the shit out of that part and uh, and also capture all the the acting moments. Jeff Goldblum. What? <laughs> really, Dave? Jeff Goldblum. Uh, 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 I, uh, I will, I will get, um, my revenge on Judge Turpin, uh, because, uh, he, uh, he's trying to, uh, marry my daughter. Um, I, so, Mrs. Lovett, um, what I, what I want you to, um, do is, um, I'm gonna have a, a, a chair that will, um, that will, um, you know, have a trap door underneath it, and then uh, when I slit their, you know, their throats, then you know the bodies will come down the, the chute, and then you'll make. I them swear to God, I would fucking punch this movie in the face if Jeff Goldblum were in it. It's just like you see Helena Bonham Carter, just like get on with the line. Yeah, just just get on with it. Don't Goldblum it. Just do it. Just oh my it. God, what if, what if what if Wes Anderson made Sweeney Todd? <laughs> A 60s retro version of Sweeney Todd with Owen Wilson as Owen Wilson as, as Sweeney, Sweeney Todd. Todd. And then have like fucking crazy. Bill Murray. It's crazy. Have Bill Murray as Judge Turpin. Oh my God. Oh my God. I feel like this needs. I just, oh my God. You're welcome. Oh, that'd be so Yeah, perfect. Wes Anderson's Sweeney Todd or the unfortunate set of events at the Meat Pie Factory. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, would would Gwyneth Paltrow be be Mrs. Lovett then, or does it count as adjacent if it's above? Or no, Wes Anderson would make it next door because he has to fucking turn everything on its side. Yeah, it's, yeah. So, so, so you have to so, develop so like an elaborate tube, series of tubes. It's a goes, tubing system between both buildings. It's like huh, uh, right through the side. Or there's a basement that they share in between. Oh, fair. You yeah. know, because he likes to do those side shots where like he goes underneath 
So you know, basically, I don't like, see why he can't do like a like a top down like cross section of that building. It'll be like Steve Zizou when he did like the top down of the, of yeah. the submarine. Can I share? I recently saw a regional production of Sweeney Todd, and the way they they did something totally different with it that I thought was actually very fascinating. Um, All white cast. How'd you know? Um, yes, it was actually an all white cast, but, um, but the, the thing that was interesting about it is the show, since the play was originally designed to take place in the mid 19th century, they actually updated it a hundred years. They took it, they said it during world war two, but what was ingenious about it was, wow. but here's how they did it. They did it as a theater company whose theater had been bombed. So they're literally in the, the underground of a London like train station performing Sweeney Todd that way and it was actually it was kind of quirky but it, it actually kind of worked because in the train station you had the barbershop you had the pie shop already and then they used this these tunnels um that where the trains would have been coming through for other spacing and um it's just it was so it was such a wild take on it but I thought it was it was unique enough that it's like oh okay well that's at least a fresh spin you could take on the I film. got a wild take idea for you go, go for on. it Bill Cosby as Judge Turpin. Oh, no. <sighs> well, it's been long enough that the jokes are fine now, right? Uh, yeah, it's been months. <laughs> it, it, but it doesn't change the fact that it's still really depressing. Well, so well yeah, it's really depressing. And things that are really depressing are the things that I love laughing at. I know. I know, Sean. That's why we love you. Quick, someone say the word Holocaust. God. Wow. Just to say the word. Not like the, not like the, the Holocaust, you know, the one that we're all familiar with, the one that had the big box office. I'm talking about (laughs) just the idea of a Holocaust. That's, I think that's probably one of the more brilliant jokes I've heard you make. Uh, That was, that was fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, I would like to thank the Academy of Horrifying Jokes and Sciences. The Academy of Horrifying Jokes and Sciences. If it's offensive, it is our passion. Yes. Well, Sean is definitely due for his Lifetime Achievement Award. It's, so it surely that's the one uh, Academy of and pioneering jokes about children's buttholes. <laughs> Oh my god! At least at this academy, there's diversity. Yeah, um, dead okay. hookers. Being oh my god! <laughs> All right, let's let's just go back to Sweetie Todd. <laughs> oh, okay. um, so we heard we heard Brian's opinion on who he thinks should play Sweeney Todd. Sean, Dave, do you guys have any suggestions? Legit suggestions, not like Owen Wilson or Jeff Goldblum. People who can actually sing. I the want part. John Travolta. <laughs> John no. Travolta. No, no. But see, he's going to touch the, the Baker lady's face the entire time. You know what? Yeah. Who? Touch Turpin. Where? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to actually say Hugh Jackman. Uh, and I and I'm not going and this is I'm not going with Lay Miz performance on this because that was done fully live. Understanding that this is one that's going to be recorded in the studio. I think that Hugh Jackman could pull it off because he actually knows how to do musical theater voice. No, I agree with that. I think he's 10 years too young for the part. Uh, I think you could age him up. Johnny Depp is about the same age. I would say the fellow that was in Into the Woods that played the baker. Oh, that guy? 
Who? Yeah, he's um, definitely young. He's, he's younger. Young. He's younger than Hugh Jackman and Johnny Depp. Whatever you can age people up. Yeah. Well. But what I'm saying though is that he he had a great voice. All right, I think we should cast an unknown in this in this spot. We got to find somebody who's got a great voice who can be deep. The way that Brian was explaining it was like you said he was like a baritone. Yeah, uh, he's. I mean, he's got some higher notes, but he's got a rich baritone voice. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So you got to find someone that's a good theater actor, has got a good theater voice, relatively unknown, so you don't have to pay him a shitload. <laughs> Who do I trust to play this role? Brian Patrick Moriarty should play fucking <laughs> Sweeney Todd. Uh, well, I mean, it, it is kind of a dream role for any actor to play, so I hope Yeah, and you visualize slitting my throat every day, so you already kind of get that down. There are, Sean, the moment you said I that, just... two things happened. One, the room got a little more tight. Uh, yeah, Brian just, <laughs> just secondly, sat up in his chair like, oh, well, and my secondly, goodness. And <laughs> his, his whole, like, it was such a, like... Like today's show, Good Morning America. It's like, well, it's a it's a dream role for any actor. Um, <laughs> Lee was trying so thankful. hard to come across. He was trying so hard to come across as as humble, and it didn't work. I'm sorry, Brian. <laughs> and I think that, but that's okay. You don't have to be like, fuck, I'm fucking Sweeney Todd. What? What? I mean, I was gonna say Hayden Christian. That's but, how you. But got then the again, role. You're at no point, the actual Sweeney Todd. But at no point <laughs> did Brian just say, "Well, I'm too young for the role." But apparently, Hugh Jackman's too young for the role. Oh. I would say if I was. No, hang on a second. <laughs> if I were 20 years older, I think yeah, that'd be awesome. But I mean, every actor has like dream roles, right? And that would be a dream role to have in 20 years. But I mean, yeah, right, I couldn't play that part yeah. now. So yeah. Does nobody fucking trust makeup people? That's what I'm. Well, that's what saying. that's why I said Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Brian, they could put a little like white stuff in your hair. Yeah. And it's not makeup. That's jizz. And then they're gonna put you know like a little the bags. latex on the face to make it look older, that's which is also awesome. jizz. <laughs> <laughs> that's not latex. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> at least you know that when it's in yeah. your skin, it's gonna yeah. make your skin less porous. All right, but what about what about Mrs. Lovett? Who's playing Mrs. Lovett? Okay, if we're going with anybody and knowing that makeup could potentially—I'm not saying Anna Kendrick. Okay, well, I was going to say she's Anna too Kendrick. young. Yeah. She is actually oh, far too God. young. No, no, seriously, she is actually far too young. Like she looks young and, and, and her sweet. voice is too young too. That's yeah. the other thing. Like her voice doesn't fit the. the You're style right. Of There's the no character. way to train your voice. Adele Dazim should play. No, I mean, and there are vocal types, just like there are physical types. And her vocal type makes sense for like the leading young lady. And but I, I actually don't, and I don't want to say Adele Dazim or Indina Menzel, um, because <laughs> because actually Indina Menzel is going to oversing it. Oh, okay. She o- love it. She oversings everything usually. Um, common. Common. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Interesting hey, yo, choice. I would just like to bring to everybody's attention that barbers are making way less money than they did oh my 20 God. years ago. Trying to raise awareness for barber wage equality. Oh my God. I'm I would actually um I would actually say Kristen Chenoweth. I think that no. I think no She I, oversings you, shit you, too you though. Need, you need a mezzo voice. But she she knows that she doesn't like okay, f- first of all, she has huge crazy range that a lot of her roles don't always show. Well I'm saying a mezzo is a middle female voice though. I'm saying you, that's she the can, problem is her voice is too she can, high. She can sing mezzo. She has operatic training. She can sing mezzo. 
fair. And I think also that I think she can play really, she can play serious when she needs to, and she can play silly when she needs to. I actually to. stand by Athena Menzel. I think that's actually, that's a more solid choice. If we're going to a wicked I, I No, I completely disagree with that. Yeah. I completely disagree with Athena Menzel. Shocker, and I like her, so. but I just, I, know. Jesus Christ. Mom and dad, stop fighting. <laughs> Shocker. You and I don't disagree nearly as much as Dave and I disagree, so don't even try to make that happen. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, that's because you used to bone. We used to disagree. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> we used to degree, disagree like, a lot uh, there, too. <laughs> it's good for you, right? No, not this time. No, you <laughs> doing my nails? Do you see me doing my nails? I'm not in it. I'm not into it. <laughs> oh you know, frankly, Sean, I, I barely remember that far back, so, you know... I try to block out those memories. Was anyway, this when, was, was this when we were just developing cuneiform? Is that why? Is that like, is that <laughs> oh, like... you've been hanging out with Bill Cosby then? Oh, <laughs> no, Sean Akbar. <clears throat> That's <laughs> wow. You say you didn't remember that far back. I love. It was a bad. That's a fun. Mr. Uh. Cosby gave me a soda water, and then it was Tuesday. Oh my God! <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh. Um, That's like the fifth Bill Cosby joke you've made. Tonight. We must have had enchiladas that night, though, because my butthole really hurt. My, oh, oh my god, oh, no, Sean, stop! So can we um, maybe put a pin in this, and then uh, let's ask our listeners who is your ideal cast for Sweeney Todd? Because I think we've talked about the two main ones, but like, do we want to go into the other characters too? Is that the whole point? Well, That's I mean, what, what about the do? judge? Okay. John Goodman. John, Go- John Goodman actually could probably pull it off, but he doesn't hmm. sing that well. He's kind of talking about. He's been on Broadway. Yeah, but he always. That doesn't necessarily necessarily mean everything. Well, I mean, I just I feel like he doesn't have the range. I feel like he can sing. He can. Turpin is a lower lower singing voice. He could totally pull that off. But I I still feel Sarah, your opinion's wrong. Clearly. So who would you suggest instead? I don't have a suggestion, but I know that John Goodman doesn't feel right to me. Okay. Sean, have to give me a moment. God. What is the guy's name? It's Patrick. Patrick Wilson. Who was in? Um, oh. He was in the Phantom of the Opera, and he was really good in there. And he could sing really well. He's also the Night Owl in uh, Watchmen, but yeah. he's got a great singing voice yeah. with a little bit of makeup. You could put him in that role. Wasn't he? He was also in Angels in America, wasn't he? He was, yeah. and he was in the original Broadway cast of The Full Monty. He That's was right. Insidious. Yeah. Oh, he could do it. Yeah, he could do it. Um, he Gerard actually probably could be Butler. Sweeney Todd as well. He could be Sweeney Todd again, aged up a lot. Gerard. No, Butler. fuck you, Dave. No. <laughs> No, Gerard Butler has that same shitty rock and roll voice, and that's why he ruined Phantom of the Opera. There was a lot of reasons why that movie got ruined. And it's the same thing with well, and the same thing with uh, with Russell Crowe running Les Mis. So, oh yeah, totally. I'm singing like this. You will listen to me. <laughs> I have a big sword. So when I actually did Les Miserables, every person who was that's impersonating like exactly how he sings. Yep. Every person who was impersonating Russell Crowe made him sound like he was. Death. Touch. Like he was deaf. Because <laughs> literally they were going they were going through Rose and like, one more day to revolution. We will nip it in the bud. And I was just like, wow, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Shut. At first I was gonna I was Brian, at first I was gonna say I was worried about you offending the deaf people that will be listening to this podcast, and then I realized uh we'll be alright. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, uh, Jesus, it's, it was just like that comment I made. If you want to be offended at somebody, be offended at Russell Crowe. That's all. Yeah. Yes, everybody be offended at Russell Crowe's <laughs> Focus presence. your anger on him. Yeah. It's okay. Only the hearing people are going to be okay with this joke. <laughs> That's so terrible. That's 
You awesome. said it. I was just repeating what, what other people were saying. So don't don't kill the messenger. I'm just you know. Anyway. So back to Sweeney Todd. Um. What what are our favorite parts from the movie slash musical? I'm Dave. You have no idea, but Dave <laughs> hated ended, all. Dave when it hated, ended. Yeah, Dave hated the whole thing. So I I don't know. I really liked I really liked the part with. Pirelli's elixir and the contest and that stuff. And also, I really love the the song about, you know, when they're mincing up Priest and putting him in the pot. Oh, it's pr- <laughs> uh, just a little Priest is yeah. my favorite number in the in the show. It's so good. Sean? I honestly think the throat slit, head cracking on the basement floor montage is my favorite. Yeah, that's distinctly the movie thing. Oh, well, they've done it in the stage well, show too. But, they, but, it's, but it's, a not, it's not like graphically closed up, like yeah, yeah, you know, like that. But in the in the movie, it is like a very it's like a systematic factory operation of people getting in the chair and dying. Well, this movie was actually a uh, a comment oh, yeah. on the industrial revolution that was taking over oh, London shut at that up, time. Dave, that's not true. Um, I would say the show actually probably is a little bit of a commentary on it. Ha- that. I don't yeah. think it was a commentary. Ah! I don't think it was a commentary so much as a theme because of the industrial revolution coming yeah, to play for sure. that it was mechanized um Sarah, it actually is a comment on it i was actually well, reading a wikipedia article that um described just how commentary it provided how it commentary out. it provided <laughs> turns, what the hell was that sentence <laughs> i'm sorry is i tried to make it sound like alan was in me but he he, he doesn't like being me inside me as it turns out uh sweetie todd was actually a luddite See, Alan sounds smarter than you guys than he does than me. <laughs> Inside me, he becomes completely meh. So, <laughs> Sean. I'm going to back up Dave here and say that it is a co- commentary about the time because there's that part in the song when they say, men are out there devouring each other. Why is it not okay in here? Well, yeah. And they, I mean, they talk about London being a pile of shit. Um, it is. A, it was. And, well, it's not anymore, but parts of it are. Yeah, sure. It's like parts of any country. London's not a country. Um, no, I'm saying <laughs> parts of cities and other countries. Every okay. country has shitty cities. <laughs> Part, every country. Parts of cities. Every country is greater. London's not areas. a country. <laughs> um, what country are you from? London. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I what I want to say is it's a reference to the time, but not necessarily a commentary on the time. It's not like. Sarah, we said what we said. Okay. Admit that we disagree. I'm just I once don't, again. What I'm trying to say is I don't oh think. Oh God, she's doing her nails again. Sh- God damn it! <laughs> I don't think Sondheim was making a political statement. Is what I'm trying to get at. Not in the way that, you know, the Crucible was providing commentary on a political state. I don't think that well, um, Sweetie Todd was doing that. Playing John okay, Pro- fair enough. Playing John Proctor is kind of like the dream role for any actor. Shut up, Dave. Just because you played John Proctor, but you no, didn't I was even... trying to make a callback joke, people. <laughs> you, you just saw it. Dave really tried to fake humility in that moment, but... Uh, he couldn't. His, no, he totally propped up and... Uh... I heard your Proctor was the toast of Saratoga. <laughs> <laughs> it was the toast of nobody. Yeah, some people liked it. Yeah, they loved when I was a hobo. Yeah, you did look yeah, like Everybody's senile grandparents loved it when they saw it. Yeah. As soon as it was done, they were like, why are we here? The lights were really bright, and honey, you were amazing. You talked really loudly. 
And there was a great review. And if you look up on the blog, the blue haired theater goer, um, yeah, you, <laughs> you, um, you did some, you, you really made an Only impression. that wouldn't be a blog, Brian. That would be like an old printing press style. It's more like pictures, to be it's pictures of handwritten, of a handwritten critique, critique yeah. that they took pictures of and they, they put it on the internet. Right. That, she actually had her grandson help her put it on the internet. <laughs> and by pictures, it's you etched mean... into a piece of limestone and then... <laughs> You know what, guys? Say what, what you will, but my grandfather used to do a newsletter for his war buddies, and they were absolutely cut out articles that he taped to a piece of paper and then photocopied, like arranged it, photocopied it, and then sent it out to all of his friends. This and is true. they loved it. So that is, that's a. That's an old-timey blog for you, and people no, enjoy that shit. <laughs> I agree, I agree. And their idea of putting it on the internet is to take a Polaroid photo of it and then mail that out to people. <laughs> See, this is the internet. I defriend you by not sending you mail. Right. Anyway, we keep going away from Sweeney Todd. What? <laughs> well, because we keep going away from it because it's a lackluster representation of what a truly great work. That's yeah. why. This is my representation of Sweeney Todd. Sarah, is it over? No. <laughs> um, if you do want to see another good video version of it, well, first of all, you can find the original Broadway cast. Yes. Uh, there was a PBS version of it that was video filmed, that was televised. Yeah, filmed on, on the stage. And ab- actually, that's the one that I recommend that you see first. That's the one with George Hearn and with Angela Lansbury. Uh, and that's uh, why you need to see it. Murder, she wrote. <laughs> Yeah. Um, if you want to see a more contemporary version, George Hearn reprised his role in 2002 or 2003 in a New York uh, concert version, and it's got uh, Patti LuPone as Mrs. Lovett, and then Neil Patrick mm. Harris in the role of Toby. This is this is pre Barney. Um, actually, this is pre Harold and Kumar. So, it's a, because it's a concert version, they don't have to cast a little kid. They just need someone with the, the vocal mm-hmm. range. Did we already say that? No, we said that before we were recording. Oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm drunk. Way to ruin the magic, Dave. Folks, there you have it. So like you said, um, why don't you send us who you think should play the parts if we were to recast Sweeney Todd and... Or if you have any director suggestions, if you didn't like what Tim Burton did, did with it, suggest Hashtag a Wes Anderson. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm telling you, that would be an amazing... Just don't say Chris Columbus because... He can't. He needs to stay away from musicals now. No, I want to see Robert Rodriguez's Mexican <laughs> version of Sweeney Todd, Sweeney Rodrigo, or even honestly, even Guillermo del Toro. Ooh. Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, never mind Guillermo del Toro because I don't think Robert Rodriguez will take it as seriously. If Robert Rodriguez does it though, then we have to campaign to have Sean be cast. So that, just in the back, so that way he can be his 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 Spanish hip guy, and be like, pay attention to the hips. Wait a second, as they go back and forth. Um, back and forth. I can't believe I just now thought of this. What about Sam Raimi? Hmm. He's dead to me. Why, Why is he dead to you? Do I need Do I need to give you a reason? Starts with an S and ends with a three. Oh. But he's made up for that though. He's he made even movies. said he didn't like it. Yeah. Don't he's care. he's atoned for that. I'm, yeah. I'm okay with him at this point. We made our peace. Uh, although I'm glad you have. I mean, the Wizard of or the Wonderful Wizard, whatever the fuck that Oz movie was. Oz Great and Powerful. Yeah, whatever oh, that, was. that was. That was awful. That, that was, was a, a bad pay, movie. That was a paycheck movie. But Drag Me to Hell great. was great. Was a so great as movie. long as he keeps doing campy horror, then that's fine. So add campy horror and add music to that. Nah. Gold. I don't know. I think he could pull it off. I don't know. I don't think unless somebody's face gets ripped off. I don't know. <laughs> 
There could be rewrites. It could be happen. Sean, do you have an opinion? I think Catherine Bigelow should do an updated version of it that takes place today in Palestine. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, I'm expecting something about the Middle East here, right? <laughs> but instead of using a razor, they use a strapped-on bomb? Yes, Mrs. Lovett's kosher... Yeah, I was kosher... going to say, yeah, because nobody shaves out there. Yes, Mrs. Lovett's kosher and halal meat pies. <laughs> come, and, come and get yeah. them. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. Okay. Uh, yeah, so listeners, let us know. What do you think? What do you think about yeah. the movies? Uh, what do we have in the way of listener feedback? Listener feedback. Yeah. Uh, we have two pieces of feedback. One is, well, actually, they're both from email. One's from Stephen, and one is from Jasmine. All right, Stephen Rosenberg from the Motion Picture Meltdown podcast listened Steven. to our episode our last episode about uh, Hans Zimmer versus John Williams. And he was like, I think you guys were on the right track with describing the scores, but I would have to agree more so with Brian and Sarah that Williams' music tells more of a story where Zimmer's compliments and drives the one we're already being told. <laughs> I love the Superman debate because I love both of those scores. Whereas the Williams theme was my teenage post-coital conquest soundtrack, the Man of Steel score is just so <laughs> heartwarming. Which is... Which is different for Zimmer in a good way. I'm glad that the last Samurai and Sherlock Holmes were brought up because both of these scores were out of Zimmer's comfort zone and uniquely awesome. I can't name a favorite Williams score, but Indiana Jones and Hook are two of the top <gasps> ones. Favorite Zimmer? Gladiator. No contest. Love the episode, guys. Hashtag Williams 100%. And I was like, thanks, dude, man. We're That's awesome. And he's like, hey, by the way... I went to IU on a music scholarship and majored in music performance and played for their concert band as first chair sax for 30 years. So he knows I had his no shit. idea. Wow. And wow. he agreed I, with us. I kind of wish we like brought him on the episode. I yeah, no shit. Um, okay. Uh, and then the other piece of feedback we have is from Jasmine. Subject spam a lot. Hello, wonderful nerds. I recently listened to your episode on Monty Python and it was hilarious. I put the emphasis on the high. Um, it has definitely become one of my favorite episodes, and part of the reason is because I grew up watching Monty Python films. I was even part of a local theater's production of Spamalot. My mother was the costumer foreman, and I was able to watch all the rehearsals and multiple showings of the play. This play was one of the funniest I have ever had the pleasure of being a part of, and one of the best scenes was the musical number involving Lancelot coming out of the closet. Oh, there was disco music, disco choreography, and Lancelot in a codpiece. Yep. The whole play was hilarious, and it managed to include almost all the gags that were in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Just wanted to share a little about my experience with this play and the Holy Grail. I love both of the Neuronomy podcasts, and I can't wait to listen to future episodes. Thank you very, very much, Jasmine. We absolutely appreciate the feedback. And I think we also have one on Twitter. Um, on the tweets? We do have one on the tweets. I saw it earlier today. Oh. On the tweets machine. On the tweets machine. There's a bird in the internet. There's a bird <laughs> in the internet. And he says things very briefly. And for some reason, he responds to that little the pound sign on your telephone. <laughs> he responds to the pound sign. That was a really bad Gilbert Gottfried impression on my part. I'm sorry. <laughs> Get out. It was, uh, oh, it's from Rachel Wunsch. It says, uh, great NOF episode on Nerdonomy. Picking which composer, Hans Zimmer and John Williams, is difficult. Throw Danny Elfman into the mix equals hard. No, no, it's not, Rachel. No, it's not. Well, Dan, I, I, I think, I don't know. I would have a hard time with Danny Elfman and John Williams. Oh, me personally, I don't like Danny Elfman. Really? really? Nope. 
It's the Dead Man's Party. I know there was a whole episode on there. I wasn't a part of that one. But... Well, you're fucking fired, Dave. <laughs> you're killing your father, Dave. You're killing Danny your father. Elfman. Danny Elfman's Spider-Man and Batman soundtracks alone are amazing without any other shit. <sighs> Ever just, scissor hands? I mean, come on. It ever. just all sounds the same. Like, when you hear one, you more, like, I don't know, just for me personally, like, just Danny Elfman never really, is, never inspired, like, I never listen to the score and think, like, oh, I, I feel inspired or like, I feel, like, the need to, you know, I, I don't feel anything from it. And I think it's just because, to me, Danny Elfman is, there's such a, there's such a connection to Tim Burton. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, Dave's mic arm fell off the table <laughs> and now he has to hold yes. it so it doesn't sound super clunky <laughs> when he goes to screw it back onto the table while i do enjoy it looks like you're holding your dick to your uh, mouth it looks like you're using a robot arm to jerk off yep that's exactly what's happening guys um <laughs> like you do okay so if you guys want to give us listener feedback you can go to the website nerdonomy.com click the talk to us button or you can hit us up on twitter at nerdonomy or you can go to facebook facebook.com slash nerdonomy while you're on our website, if you feel so generous, you can go ahead and click that donate button or you can buy a t-shirt or you can click any of our Amazon.com banners that are in our past episodes. Or if you feel like trying out audiobooks, you can go to uh, audibletrial.com slash nerdonomy. And I think that's pretty much all the best ways to interact with us. But the best thing you can possibly do is tell your friends about us. Give us a review on iTunes, spread the word of nerd, share our posts, and just... Let let the world feel our our warm sticky love. Sticky, yeah, sticky. Um, impregnate the world with our <laughs> laughter. Yes. Like, oh, it's all sticky. Um, yeah, I, I agree with ninety nine percent of that up to the sticky part. <laughs> yeah, you um, really have to been... impregnate the world with my semen. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. Full circle. I, was to make, I was made to understand that that's how it worked. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like seriously like every about... magic trick consists of free pop. stop it no <laughs> really because I actually I almost I actually heard more of the guy from Wayne's World going into that like really long monologue I remember one I time I pulled out my cock and it was the size of a tangerine I remember one time I was in a place like this <laughs> Sri Lanka we can't do it Sean we're not, get, we'll not the whole it. thing not yeah. the whole thing but it's, oh, it's, it's alone. it was about three in the morning <laughs> Uh, the Thousand Brent M&M's monologue is yes. a film classic. To yes, the yes. left and right of the stage are the machine gun <laughs> Now these babies heat up. <laughs> Meant for them, them 16 brownings. Now these babies tend to heat up, so shoot in three-second bursts. <laughs> in the event of us being captured, I will distribute cyanide caplets to be placed <laughs> on the tongue like so. <laughs> Any questions? Um, I have a question. When did you turn into a nut bar? <laughs> Anyway. Anyway. Sorry, guys. All right, um, let's go. All right, guys. It is that time. So until we meet again, stay nerdy and tune into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time, same nerd channel, nerdonomy.com. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And roll credits.
should not say during sex. Twas Pirelli's miracle elixir. That's what did the trick, sir. True, sir, true.